Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. I want to start this podcast off with one question for you, because it yeah. makes me sad to hear like fighters begging for the bonus, just because mm-hmm. we've talked about it, I think these people should be getting paid way more than they are. Yeah. Would you, if you could wave a magic wand and have fighter, would you rather have consistent fighter pay be higher at a baseline or bonuses be, be like spread out more, not just like three or four a night, but like maybe like every finish is a bonus and the bonuses at are a higher rate, say 150,000 for a bonus. If you get a finish, you know, because the UFC in the past has always pushed for don't leave it in the judge, hands of the judges. Yeah. Or would you rather see that, <laughs> that 12, show 12 win be raised and then bonuses be phased out if you only get to choose one of the two obviously we want both but if it was either higher fire pay consistently at a baseline or or higher bonuses which one would you rather see i would say higher consistency or consistent pay and just the reason for that is unless you have a very set criteria uh for bonuses like every single finish or you know first round finish gets this second round finish no 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 no. every and this hypothetical Every mm-hmm. finish gets a bonus, and then the UFC can also be like, well, this is a fight of the year contender. They're going to get a bonus, too. But every finish gets a bonus regardless. If you finish the fight, you get a bonus. Yeah. Don't be I, a freaking I, bonus. <laughs> yeah. I, I still think that the um, – I, I still think consistent elevated fighter pay because what happens on those cards where you basically get like two fight of the nights, you get your main card fight of the night and then you get your undercard fight of the night where, you know, I just, and I think also when it comes to pay, like no one's going out there to not put on their best performance. Sure. You know? And, and so like, Hey, UFC, if you think these guys aren't, or these women, whoever aren't exciting, then like that's on you to, you sign them. Yeah. You know, you chose to sign them. Uh, and so we used to talk about it in recruiting all the time when I was coaching football was like, don't complain about your players. Like you recruited that guy. Yeah. You know, like you chose to bring that person here. So it's not that kid's fault that we've recruited him. Like we need to be better about about it. And so I think that that kind of applies, right? Like if you're signing somebody, you're like, oh, this guy's boring. He puts on boring fights. Well, like you chose to pay this man to join your organization. Yeah, and, and I, I'm on the same wavelength as you, maybe for a different reason, or you just didn't like get to this point yet. For me, I just like the consistency of being like, okay, I know what my bills are gonna be, right? Like me and yeah. you, we live in a you know, I don't in know if, world. I don't know if you uh have this happen to you, but I have bills every month. It's so weird, right? Yeah. And just knowing the consistency, being able to budget, and then having like in this hypothetical, my fire pays higher, I'm still getting a fifty thousand dollar bonus, hoping for the bonus maybe for that extra show a little love to my team, show a little love to my family, you know, put some money away, but I'm making more money. That's how I feel like I would want to do it. But I also can imagine someone that's like, you know, I, f- I can flow hard. I could use 150,000 and give me my 35, 35 because 150 is a big lump. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. Obviously I, I I'm going to speak for you on this. You want higher <laughs> fighter pay and bonuses to be spread out even more. You know, yeah. 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 I mean, I, it's tough when there's that much money being made and it's not going to the people that yeah. are making it necessarily. You know, I, I think that then, uh, if you are somebody that has a ton of finish, if you're Drew Dober, 
right? Where just about every fight, you know, last night's fight is the exception, like isn't going to go the distance. Yep. Then you bring that into your contract negotiations. Yes. You know, you bring that into that as opposed to, hey, I have to put myself at risk and potentially have not fight smart, potentially have like long-term CTE because I need to, I'm a prize fighter and I need to try to make money right now. Yep. And um, speaking of fighting smart, really, really enjoy the Imavov Delize. I thought Imavov yes. really fought smart, except for that little time where he let Chris Curtis get in his head. And it showed, yeah. it showed a little yeah. bit, right? But, man, I, I thought this was going to be a closer fight. I don't, I don't think it was really that close at all, man. Well, apparently you're not the judge that scored it a draw. Yeah, I mean, even with the point off, I'm like, <sighs> did, you, did you look at the scorecards? Yeah, he gave him two and four, and four was a ten eight because of the point deduction. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see. Nah, I don't see two. <laughs> I just don't see it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if anything, like that was the round Imabov kind of took a took his foot off sure. of the gas because he freaking blew his wad in the first <sighs> round. Because <sighs> I like he landed sixty something significant strikes. Like he almost had him out of there. The fact that uh, I think it was Sal D'Amato scored at ten nine. For Imavov or Imavov is wild yeah. because like how how much closer to a finish can you get? Like I get it wasn't dominant the entire round, but he's he would have won the round 10-9 if he didn't drop him and almost kill him at the end of the round. Yeah. So you add that on top of it. How's that not 10-8? A really weird scorecards in, yeah. in that fight. But yeah, I thought it was a brilliant performance by Imavov. You know, the obviously there are he has a bit of gay guard Musasi to him. Yes, dude. What a you good comparison. I wouldn't think in that, but spot on. Yeah. And, and for those of you that, you know, don't, don't necessarily know who Musasi is. He was somebody who was extraordinarily dominant, had a great skill set on any given night. He could be the absolute best 185 pounder in the world, but he had some nights where he just seemed content to go through the motions. And it was times where, say, he was getting out wrestled, out grappled, and he would, and he was a great grappler, and he would just kind of sit there and accept being on his back, and he wouldn't take a ton of damage, but he would just kind of accept that this is the way the fight's going. And saw that from Imavov in in spurts last night, where Delize had him up against the cage, and it was almost like once Imavov realized, okay. Herb Dean's going to break this one up relatively quickly Yeah. after the first time it was done. He's like, all right, I, I know I just got to lock this guy down. And, you know, at most I'm here for 30 seconds and that's the way this is going to play out. Uh, this fight, even though he didn't look exhausted, it didn't necessarily answer our questions regarding his gas tank Correct. because the pace slowed Yep. so much. Uh, but yeah, it, it was an, there were some really beautiful things. That right hand we talked about it last week is is a weapon. It, His hands are so fast. And, and let's say this: that fight could have been stopped in the first round. I, I was mm -hmm. I was fully expecting, and I'm like, God, they're letting this go. He was. Th there was a fight earlier in the night. Uh, was it the dead noise? The Stoli Ranko <laughs> yeah. fight. Stoli Ranko. She was getting yeah. a lot of unanswered, and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. But then when it happened, it's like heavier guys, and they they even said like. You know, it was like 45 seconds of unanswered mm -hmm. shots. Sure, they let it go and it happened what it happened, but it could have been stopped. He's His yes. striking is so crisp, bro. It's yeah. so good, man. Yeah, very talented 
now one thing that did happen and and i do have to say like good on herb dean for letting that one go sure this is we've talked about this before right like this is a fight of consequence you let it play out a little longer than sure. if this was you know if something similar happened in the Maderos quinones fight like neither one of these young guys needs to take unnecessary punishment because yeah. like ultimately an l at this point isn't devastating to their career here it is for for either guy yep. and so good on herb dean for letting that play out one of the things I did notice about uh, Imavov, though, and it's to take it back to Maderos, both of them did the same thing where there was a lot of striking and then almost just getting too close and falling into the clinch. Sure. And I was surprised by that from Imavov because good footwork, so slick. But there was, and I don't know if it was him being tired and was like, okay, I know I can land two on the way in. He's not damaging me in the clinch. So then we can just kind of hang out here for a little bit. I don't know, but I did notice that, that there was quite a few times, especially as the fight wore on where he would like punch his way in and then just fall into a clinch exchange. Sure. And, and I have some very short, when we start talking about the Madeiros versus Quinones fight, I have some very strong opinions about that matchup, but mm -hmm. with, with Imavov, first of all, I loved the fact that all three commentators said Imavov differently. Um, yeah, yeah it, was just, it just made me laugh because I'm like, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not going to say it right. The head kick was brutal. I'm so glad that California's really pushing for that hand, you know, yes. playing the game. I hope everybody else does it. I'm glad they brought it up because two things happened. Delize looked at the ref as like, my, my hand's down, right? So yes. technically he's doing the right thing, letting the ref know. Imavov needs to do a better job, but he just didn't. And he was throwing that, mm -hmm. he was throwing that kick, and he did it again later he did, on. Yeah. And the second time that he did it, after the penalty, Delize looked like he was mad again. It's like your hand wasn't on the ground. So, like, yeah. you're not even recognizing that you were playing the game. Your hand was clearly up. I do agree with the point taken away, though. It was a very – and it looked like his toe went in his eye. I, this is one <laughs> of the times that I'm like – when it happened, I was like, ooh. And then he took a point, yeah. and I had no, I had no issue with it at all i was like this is fair this Agreed. is a fair moment right yeah yeah because yeah, it it had been different if the connection was on the second one because delete was like really playing the game and the second one of like lifting it up putting it down like trying to bait him he into did it, it twice first yeah first one he just planted the hand out, yeah. right like that was the whereas the second time it happened he was like up and down it's like you're playing the game yeah. like, you're and it just happened to you dude and he yeah. kicked him again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, did. I'm with you in, in taking the point. Now you notice the third time it happened in round five, Imalov cracked him with a hand. God. Cracked him. It was God. like, oh, you could have done that the first couple yes. times because that was powerful. Yeah, <laughs> that I was mean, very powerful. He hit so hard. Unfortunately, though, hot take time. Ready for a hot take? <laughs> Imovov yes. didn't look like a champion of this division with that fight. He just didn't look Agreed. like. Yeah, he just didn't look like the guy. Delizze, he looked even worse. Right. Yeah. So and that's kind of where I'm what I was getting at with the Musasi comparison. Oh, it's like, gotcha, hey, he gotcha. looks super talented and looked like when he's on, he could beat anybody. But you got to be on for 25 yeah. minutes to be yeah. a champion in this division. Um, so yeah, and he did admit afterwards, he's like, Yeah, I punched myself out in, in the first round, I can't which blame like, him. <laughs> good on him from the mental aspect of you're five minutes into a potentially 25 minute fight, and you're like, ooh, yeah. I used my energy. Which has got to be the worst, like, mind fuck of all time. Like, oh, shit, I got 20 more minutes. No yeah. bueno, dude. Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to give Delite credit for, though, is just the when he rolled to the leg after the illegal kick to the head. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's dangerous yeah, he there. Is. I, I want to know why he didn't try to play that game a little more because he was 
I mean, from, even from the bottom, like he gets things going. He creates chaos and creates these scenarios where guys are in danger. And it's not in a traditional like take you down, you know, grind to a position, then start working the submission methodical. It's almost like lighter weight grappling where it's, hey, I'm going to just create chaos and get you caught up in it. It might be, and this is me being all speculative, it might just be the power because Imovov, they have they have footage on Imovov. They have people that have trained for Imovov, and then Imovov yeah. was this successful. You know, it was kind of like backwards where Dillashaw, I mean, Dominic Cruz is beating everybody in, in Alpha Male, and then Garbrandt's like has all this stuff. It's like someone's got to eventually crack the code, and he does. It's like kind of went backwards. Elidze just... I think when you feel that power, man, like watching the watching the difference in striking last night was it was real fun. It was real fun mm-hmm. to see Imavov or however the hell you say it. Yeah, it, it was just real fun. I do kind of want to see him get matched up with Curtis again, just because the bad blood. Yeah, I just I think based off the performances that we saw over the last few weeks from Imavov and the Action Man. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think they're at two very different 100%. places. I don't think. Yeah, and Chris Kerr's coming off a win. Yeah, but I don't think he coming off deserves a top 10 fight at this point. Right? Oh, it's yeah. almost like Leon Bilal won, where it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate, but like you don't get that one back. Because at, at that point, Bilal wasn't on, you know, I mean, he was hadn't beaten those top guys to necessarily warrant a fight against somebody of that caliber. Yeah. He was filling in on, on late notice because uh, Hamzat couldn't fight. So that's, yeah, I think that's kind of where that one's at. I want to see, I mean, ideally, Amava versus the winner of Vittori Allen. Yeah. But I don't think the winner of that will be higher ranked and will have just beaten a higher ranked opponent. So, you know, I don't think that he warrants that. Maybe the loser of that fight. I just think either one of those guys is going to tell us a lot about Amava. And so that's, I think, Vittori more so. Just because Vittori's going to be there, you're not going to get him out, and he will wear on your gas tank. He will, you know, if he's going to sit in a clinch, he's not just going to lean on you. He's going to force you to stop takedowns nonstop. Yeah, and and so yeah, I, I think winner loser of that matchup, I want to see him I'll fight either one of those guys. Now. I actually actually almost like the loser more, right? Uh, yeah. Because. The loser of that fight is going to need to f- be able to still prove that he can beat someone like Imovov, mm-hmm. right? So it gives Imovov the chance to do that. And there's there's a piece of my heart that wants to see Allen kind of win. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not yeah. a, not a fan of Vittori, but like I want to see something new up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, great main event. Like I said, right now he's not. I don't think he's champion quality, champion middleweight yeah. champion quality. But I also kind of didn't think that is Strickland. And it, sometimes it's just the opportunity to match up. So great, great, and, great middleweight fight. Yeah. Well, and the thing we got to think about too is Imavov was 27. Yeah. All right. He's still young. And realistically, when you look at it, he has not lost at middleweight since 2021. Yeah. You know, great. since his loss to Phil Haas. And, and he's, yeah, you look at his loss to Strickland. We talked about it last week. Up a weight class. He was outweighed. He was out grappled. I understand why he wants that Strickland fight back. Yeah. Not to mention Strickland was just champ and that like boosts your your game, you know, and your name. But it it seemed like talked about it last week, up until the Drake is or the Drake is fight, I what Imavov did was the most kind of consistent breaking down Strickland that that we had seen. Yep. So yeah, really, really, really talented. Um 
do want to talk about the co-main here real quick uh and before we get into the actual fight in the uh the post-fight interview in in cage you told me you did not hear what he said uh so apparently moicano is about to be a big brother again because his 62 year old father just got his mom pregnant uh, again ropes at 62 (laughs) at 62 good genetics there um and so moicano said he was going to go put in a uh a baby and his wife because if his dad can do it he can do it which there's some creepiness to to that statement uh you know i'm not, uh, I'm but, not mad at it one bit man <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, mad you, at it at all. you and i are slightly <laughs> different people um but yeah and then he yelled into the microphone moicano's dick is coming which is, <laughs> which which is, is funny which is very very bizarre to say especially because yes. you know coming has different connotations oh yeah no it was intentional it was intentional uh but yeah him, i mean his his app his post-fight interviews are are entertaining slightly unhinged uh but but definitely entertaining uh, and i thought fight was entertaining um i i don't i was a little surprised that not one judge gave round one to dober I, because I think Dober was doing damage, got taken down. There was not much that Moicano did, at least I thought. But then at the end of the round, you looked at Dober's face and it was marked up a bit. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that was just that like heavy top pressure grinding his head into his face because Dober, I wouldn't say was a tough weight cut, but when you saw pictures of him, Prior to the prior to weigh-ins, I mean, he was a skeleton, and so I wonder if that led to him bruising up more. But it felt like Moicano didn't do a ton with all of that control, uh, other than just like wearing on him. But then when he stood up, it's like, oh shit, his face is bruised up. How'd that happen? And see, I I actually it's 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 very interesting because I I really thought Moicano clearly won the first round just because he, I think he just implemented his game plan more. The the, <laughs> the, the stats are almost or they are identical for round one, except for control time, right? Yeah. Three minutes and 48 seconds. Like, you have to give credit to that. Uh, we'll be, uh, it kind of happened with the, the heavyweight fight too, where pro, uh, Peterson had like 45 seconds of like at the first round, and you're like, I don't think that wins you a fight when you're getting, but anyways, yeah. I actually don't think Drew Dober stole the second round, and that's where, that's where I really looked hmm. at stats during the time because I was like, I don't think he did enough to steal the second round. I think Morcano clearly won the fight, so yeah. I, I think as long as, in my opinion, I feel like he won the fight. The cut was from a head, but I think that's the, where the damage optically came. And he got, he actually, this isn't Strickland, you know, Duplessis. He actually got mm-hmm. cut by a head, but, and it just looked worse. But Morcano, man, we talked about it. If you're going to, if you're going to get him on the ground, that's where you should excel. And, and he just did. He just, he yeah. just was better to a guy that can put your lights out if, if you want to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, yeah. Round two was uh, even had it in my notes of like, as I was watching the fight, how do you score that yeah. round? Because there was a ton of control by Moicano, but then I thought Dober hurt him, you know, in addition to, and I get, he was diving in the the head caught him, but there were some very big strikes that he threw yeah. oh, some elbows, some good ground and pound. And, it was the story of every time Dober touched him, it kind of looked like he got hurt. Yeah. You know, like what triggered the takedown in round one? Dober rocked him. Sure. Dober hit him hard. And Moicano was like, I want zero part of this. Correct. 
And and so that's where, you know, how do you score those? Because they say control should not matter. By they, I mean the announcers every time they're talking about judging. Control should not matter until, unless everything else, like they can't decide who won based on striking and grappling. Sure. It, but that's so hard because one, control is a big part of grappling. Yeah. So is control indicative of a grappling advantage? Or... If you hit me 15 times on the ground while you're controlling me, is that for two minutes? Is that more impactful than I crack you once? You're you react heavily and you feel the need to go for the takedown. And see, and and that's, that's where it gets a little gray. And that's kind of where I think that it has to be a little bit closer for I don't mind being like, you know, damage weighs out more because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't mind it. And this is round two is very fun. Because when you look at stats, you know, Morcano landed a total of 34 strikes compared to Drew Dober 17. But his strikes were the top control just tagging him, right? Just just hitting him mm -hmm. so they don't get put up. So there, it's not much damage. And then when Drew Dober's hitting him, that's 17 times, he's cracking. When he got on top, he was cracking. And it just optically looks different. So I'm not mm -hmm. saying that Drew Dober's shouldn't count four more. But... If we're pretending like control time doesn't matter because when Drew Drover's on his back, he's doing nothing. He's doing nothing. Yeah. So it's like if there was no strikes thrown and you did nothing, I'm beating you, right? I don't have a – I don't – like I said, I don't think – my note just says I don't think he did enough to steal the second round. However, I'm not upset about it because Drew Dober cracks, and that's what he does. Mm -hmm. But – Morcano just doesn't hit as hard, and he's in his world. I think that's the thing that really gets me. Is like that's where I'm. I'm assuming the judges, um, maybe they, maybe they shouldn't put in consideration. But that's where Morcano wants to be. Why don't we give him credit for where he wants to be at? So yeah, yeah, and and yes, hundred percent. That's that is. I mean, other than getting cracked a couple times pretty hard, like if you ask Morcano, that's how he wanted the fight to go. Yes, of course, you know, and yeah. and so. They used to say octagon control. That's yeah. not a criteria anymore. But like realistically, if you, you know, Ben Askren and, and old school Colby Covington are, and even Colby now when, when he fights are a prime example of if the fight's happening how I want it to fight, am I not winning the fight? Well, and, and so that's, you know, then and that's something that we kind of see here. And obviously Moicano is doing more damage than Askren did in a lot of fights and, and is hunting up the finish. He was trying to, to get there and, and Dober just, you know, was, he wasn't doing a lot to stand up, but he also was, um, he was locking him down, right? He was making sure that Moicano couldn't progress and I do I gotta say something though Mark Smith I would love to ask him like what are you what's your process for determining when things should be stood up because when you look at it there was one point where Moicano was on top for literally 10 seconds and he was like you gotta work like hey man like he just worked to get the fight to the ground yeah, I that's a I mean it'd be a fun question to ask him. Yeah. Uh I, I don't know. I I I actually don't mind it. I actually would love to jump around a little bit if you don't mind, because yeah. I, I do kind of want to compare this type of control to what like happened in the builder versus Lee fight, where mm. all Lee was doing is putting him against the cage, and that's control that I don't think is as valuable with the output that Lee gave, right? So in this situation, Drew Dober got controlled and couldn't get up. 
and Mori Kano was at least punching him and he had him on the ground. And then when, you know, in the second round, Drew Dober actually got on top of him and then rained down some, some fire. With the Builder-Lee fight, all Builder did was push him against the cage and hope that mm-hmm. he got tired. But every time Lee escaped, or the elbows first on the cage, the elbow was dirty. But every Ooh. time he escaped, that to me is like, okay, his control time, if he had him against the cage for two minutes. I mean, it's like the first round was like three minutes of him pushing against the cage. Yeah. But then the output for Lee, to me, is more important. So mm-hmm. that's like that compare and contrast type of thing where, okay, you put him against the cage. You didn't hit him one time. You, you might have need his thigh once, but you did nothing except push him. And then he has damage. I think that's where... Lee showed if someone's going to hold you and keep you in their world when it's your turn, your output has to be magnificent. And his output was outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I know this is going to be an absurd comparison just because I'm who I'm about to compare him to. I can't wait. But with with Lee, like what he showed was Leon Edwards-esque. It was Izzy-esque, not from a technical striking standpoint, but the like... I'm not going to get taken down to the ground. You know, that's the whole that when we're up against the cage, that's all I care about. And when I can do some damage, I will, but I'm not going to get taken down because I know if this round, there's four minutes and 30 seconds of us on the cage and 30 seconds of us out in the open, what I'm going to do in those 30 seconds are going to get me this round. And I was so incredibly impressed with this fight after watching uh, Lee's last fight against Yiza that got him into the UFC. Yeah. I was so impressed because he got straight out grappled mm-hmm. in in his last fight. And then for him to come out here and look like, I mean, and Builder's not a slouch. That's I mean, he was undefeated prior to his, his previous fight. And for him to just totally neutralize the grappling, I mean, he's like laughing at him. You know, he as looked the like he was on. having a fucking blast. Like, like great time. He looked like he was <laughs> so relaxed, like he was fighting me, dude. Like he just knows was, I, I have nothing for you. When I touch you, you feel it. And Builder looked lost until the third mm-hmm. round. He did okay in the third round, but yeah. come on, like if this is your first Builder fight, you're like, well, there's levels in this guy. Yeah, you don't realize that this guy's just coming into the UFC, right? He looked like he was having a blast, man. Yes, and we talked about it going into the fight, like. Did Lee use those 15 minutes of cage time against a very experienced opponent to up his game? And he 100% (laughs) did. It did not, it looked, I wouldn't say it looked like a totally different fighter, just because a lot of what made Lee very exciting prior to that was there. But it showed absolutely an evolution of here is where my skill set is lacking. I'm not letting that happen to me again. Right. It's like if you're in school and the teacher called on you and you don't know the answer, that like kind of embarrassment of like, oh, fuck, I'm not letting that happen to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and and it seems like that's what happened here with Lee. I mean, everything was good. Body shots. I mean, hurt him early with the body shots. The he had the Travis Brown elbows along the cage and it was dirty when he almost put builder out i think it was round one the knee on the break hit him with that combo and it was almost the chuck liddell tito ortiz combo of like finding the openings went to the body to get the hands down go back upstairs back to the body it looked so skilled and then what i was really impressed with in that exchange builder bit down threw a big one connected 
and Lee was like, okay, he's not as hurt as I thought he was. Let, I was let me back. I up. was just about to say that the impressive thing, the combos are impressive because like they're impressive, but it's also like builders being a punching man at that point. It's like anybody can throw mm -hmm. a comp. The IQ to be like, okay, he's not done. Let me just sit back and enjoy the moment. Dude is, dude is exciting. He's a featherweight man. Mm -hmm. Featherweight. I mean, just, just looked like he had the time of his life. Looked like he could have gone another two rounds easy, right? Yes. Um, and looked enormous. God, he just he looked enormous. He just, like th those are the types of fights that if this is your first time watching, you're like, oh, I'll definitely let's see what he does next, right? He he made someone look bad, and sometimes that's more impressive than making yourself look good, right? Yeah. And I think he made Builder look <laughs> pedestrian. <laughs> pedestrian. When yeah. when you can when the talk after a fight is there are levels to the game. Yeah. You did something very well. Yeah. Like, I can't think of an instance in that fight. I mean, little sloppy as he was throwing the combos and sure. ended up getting cracked. Sure. But takedown, had, had a nice little trip, got mm -hmm. him down. Yep. Showed good ground and pound. Hunted the finish for all 15 minutes. You know, showed beautiful striking at distance on the break. Didn't get taken down. Like, just controlled it even though he was pressed up against the cage for a large portion of that fight, like controlled the well, entire fight. There was never a doubt of like who the alpha was in that, in those 15 minutes. Well, I'm also going to, this, this is another thing we talk about levels when you're, and this is a Leon Edwards comparison again, since you brought it up, when you're looking for something to criticize somebody about, that's how good you did. Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, we had to be like, okay, well, in the fifth round, he let Colby get. We have to find a criticism because he fought a great fight. You're looking for a criticism, but like, okay, he got hit. He got hit, what, like twice? <laughs> like, like and, and I know you're not saying it because he's trash. You're saying mm -hmm. if there's some hole that he has to learn from this fight, is like, you did get sloppy. Yeah. But though, for that three seconds that you might have been sloppy, the other. 14 minutes and 57 seconds you were even even the like the calmness that you have getting pushed against the cage not letting your arms get burnt out not letting your, your cardio get burnt out and he looked like he did fade a little bit but yeah. just having the and then just the the attack mode the cobra the coming getting pushed in the cage and being like my turn it was like literally it's like you know what that looked like like slap boxing like the guy did his thing and he's like okay my turn and then he just did way more damage mm -hmm. yeah yeah i know you're like, the oh, biggest you slap the box fan so Oh, yeah, yeah. Power Slap. Power Slap, that's um, what it is, yeah. Which even the name, sorry to, to go on a tangent here, but even the name Power Slap is like something you would see in that movie Idiocracy, where it's oh, like 100%. we're making fun of what what people do for entertainment now. Like, Power Slap. And it's like, yep, that's 100%. That's what they're actually calling it. Um, one thing I do want to say be before we, we move on, this gets me very, very excited for Lee's next fight because we saw him progress. Yep. And now next time he has somebody on the ropes, you yep. know, is the guard up. Like, I, I want to continue to see that evolution because that was, I mean, as I was watching that fight, it was one of those, that feeling I got watching um, Dolgarian or, you ooh, know, watching yeah. Tatsuro Taira where it's like, ooh, there is something here with this person and they, the steps I wanted to see they took. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Also very impressive. Um, my man, Thembo Garimbo, oh that right. hand was, was So filthy, and especially because the way that that fight was supposed to play out or yeah. supposed to air quotes is like Pete Rodriguez was the five minute, you know, he's going to, 
you need to mind your P's and Q's for for round one because he's explosive. Uh, and then, you know, Grimbo's going to want to grapple him. Nope, not happening. Just throw in the right hand, game over. Um, and I love, love the post-fight interview talking about wanting to help others. I mean, here's a guy who's talking about he's going to take his money to help fix the cart path for the elders in his village back home. Like yeah, Nigeria, what? right? Uh, Zimbabwe. 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 Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just awesome. Yeah. Which, which is good guy type shit, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's the stuff you want to see, right? A little delusional talking about how he'll be fighting for the title before the end of 2024. But hey, man, he said, whoever the champion is, Leon or Rachmanov. My man did not remember the name. <laughs> what about Bilal? <laughs> yeah. Because maybe he doesn't think Bilal's got it in him, but. Listen, Bilal was in the building. Yeah, that's right. Because he was in the it, building. He was, cornering, he was cornering. Um, who was it that he cornered? Was it Randy Brown? I don't remember. It'll probably come. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been. I think it might have been Randy Brown. Or, or should I say, it'll probably more Cano now? Is that her name? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. His his right hand and his he's so lengthy too that Maybe it, like, it was Charles Johnson. I don't remember who One it was. Of those two. But yeah. when he he punched through and his like his arm was like go go gadget arm, dude. And and then when he got on the ground, he hit him so hard. And I understand. Rodriguez jumped back up, but it's like, dude, this one's over. This one's over. Yeah. You don't need to take any more than you did because you got correct. Yeah, fun, yeah. fun. Yeah, and you know who took more than they needed to? Muslim Salikov. Uh, I'm convinced Kerry Hadley just doesn't like fighters. I uh, disagree he's the with one you that on let, one. Really? I disagree He's the one that you. let Bobby Green take an ass whooping. I thought the way that Salikov responded, where he just dropped – covered up and like was not making like it he did not it didn't look like he was attempting to do anything else until he ate the follow-up shot and was just kind of like oh shit they're letting me get hit <laughs> you know like i i thought it was pretty clear that that he was done and, and because you texted uh josh and i and you said he hates mm -hmm. it, and i was like okay let me go rewatch it right because you know it's you were catching up so <laughs> i was like let me rewatch it in between like the fights and i watched it i'm like nah he hit him one more time, and realistically, you don't, in that moment, you don't know, right? Because even um, Brown stepped back and <laughs> was like, I don't know if he's out. Now, don't get me wrong. It was right on the bridge of the nose. So I understand from Salikov, uh, Salikov, so it was a Salikov, whatever. The, yeah, King of Kung Fu. <laughs> there you go. I understand for him being like, oh, I'm hurt, but that wasn't egregious. I, I mean... I, I rewatched it just because of the text you said. I'm like, I'm not mm -hmm. mad at that one because he hit him once and then he only hit him one more time. And as soon as he like rolled over and got that second hit, I think it was on the temple, maybe, maybe on the cheek. Yeah. Then it's done. And it's bounced like, his head. Yeah. Sometimes it's that, that right there doesn't bother me as much as like you're saying with um, Bobby Green. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that was horrible. Yeah. That was the, crazy. The, the optics of like Salikov kind of turtling up Randy Brown, not wanting to hit him again, just kind of standing there looking at him, the ref kind of going to step in and then pulling back and like, just like, Hey, I need to see you punch him one more time before, before I'll stop this. I just, because he didn't you know, go, we, because he, to me, he didn't go down. Like, like it was a flash KO. He went down. Like he just got, stunned not knocked out right and and i mean we are in a game where it's like look what happened in the main event um yeah look i don't know i'm i i that one i don't think is egregious i i, I wasn't even focused on that i was like 
goddamn that over overhand right was just straight, beautiful yeah. or straight right. No, yeah, yeah. it was just yeah. beautiful, like great. Placement. And it almost looked like it didn't hit until you saw the replay. It almost looked like it, it just barely clipped him in, in real time, and then they showed it back and it was like, oh no, that was that was pretty square. But but see, um, that's another thing. It's like in real time, it didn't feel like he hit him, but. That's slow. That's why I love like replays because you're like, oh no, it was perfect placement because that bridge. I've hit myself on the bridge of the nose barely, and then like my eyes are watering. You know, I'm done for the day. Uh, great, great, great win for Brown though. Hell yeah! And for Randy Brown, like he's he has put together a really nice resume. He's he's 18 and five and was six and zero oh coming into the UFC. Yeah, right. So the the guy has had 17 fights in the UFC so far, and when you look at the losses. I mean, other than Mike Graves back in 2016, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price with that crazy like hammer fist from the bottom. Yeah. Luke, Jack Della. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 if those if those are the people you're losing to, maybe with the exception of Nico Price, just because yeah. you can have your own opinion, but but mm-hmm. Bilal should be fighting for a title. Luke, yes. you know, pre brain hemorrhage, you know. We don't know what yeah. he's gonna look like now. <laughs> yes. But JDM, we we we're all excited about him. So not a bad resume. And then this is the types of things you need to do. On these free cards, you need to be on the highlight reels for ESPN. And he yes. just did it, right? Yep. And then he called out Michael Chiesa, which yes. I like, hey, if if you're gonna shoot your shot yes. for the top 15, like that, that's probably Smart. the guy. Smart. Yes. yes. And then uh it was funny in the po- the uh postcard like show that they do, you know, obviously Chiesa's at the desk yeah. <laughs> doing it. And he was like, Yeah, I'm down for that fight, just no Darcis. <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah i was fair like enough. that's that's funny uh but yeah we're good for randy brown and the uh, one other fight before we get into kind of some some fights of what i felt were of consequence the the radke or urbina fight radke's an interesting one because like obviously the product is is pretty good what he did to urbina every time the left hand connected it was you know hurt him badly uh the the end of the fight was nice but he has this air about him that i don't think is going to endear him to the fans i mean i think we all remember in australia the the slurs he threw out there and that's who Bilal was in the corner of racky racky um i told you it would come eventually yeah yeah. eventually (laughs) yes Uh, but like even after the fact at the press conference it was like they should have given me fifty thousand. You guys should be. I should be getting paid for doing these interviews. Nice. And it's like, well, that's part of the post fight. Like, yeah, but also, and, and maybe, so the but the media just stopped asking him questions. There, you go. Okay. I I would I I'm not mad at that at all. Here's the thing, yeah. with the grace of saying whatever you want, there's also consequences. And people being like, okay, I'm good. I'll just talk to the person that we actually care about. Like, yeah, you won. We don't give a shit about you. He might yeah. be trying to go heal like Colby Covington thinks, and that it's going to work for him, but. Colby did it in a WWE way, where yeah. well, he like, did say Colby sucks, like he did. Yeah, you have that. you have to, yeah. right? But yeah, it's it's a shame because man, that left hook, like, <laughs> oh and and like you said, like when Racky landed, it was way more impactful. It was just way yeah. more. It's like Urbina looked like he was just touching him, eh. but it, his left hook handed clean and. Like Urbina was clearly hurt and just get oh, another yeah. one in to seal the deal. It's over. Yes. So. Yeah. That follow up was rough. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was rough. But yeah, it, it's very interesting because, you know, the with somebody like this, it's like separating the art from the artist. Yeah. You know, because like, God, he's 
fun as shit to watch fight but the out of the cage stuff i'm like eh, i'm not not a huge fan of that sure. Sure. um so yeah it, it's gonna be i think it's a little different when you have somebody like covington who was on a was on a tear and just wasn't getting the love he deserved. Yeah. Same thing with Sean Strickland, you know, and that's kind of always been Strickland. He just wasn't as vocal about it um, until he wasn't necessarily getting the push that, that he really warranted. Uh, I think that, I think it's a bold strategy. Now, if Radke keeps putting people away, yeah, keep doing it. But if you're you know, winning, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. that's the kind of thing where like that first one you lose, Oh, but, you know, keep that same energy. Yeah, if you're well, it's it's not even that. That's that's the game that these people play. Is that you have to take it. You have to be able to to take it, and that's why mm-hmm. kind of spraying Strickland. That's why a lot of people were like, "How are you mad about DDP mentioning your dad?" Because you give it to everybody. You can't be and Racky's going to be in that boat. But if he doesn't lose, <laughs> then he won't he won't experience it. But I don't think it's I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's the way I would want to go. But there's a reason why people become fighters and sometimes his personality yeah. is the person that becomes a fighter. Yeah. And then first loss, uh, Azat Maxum could uh, not pass yep. the Charles Johnson test. Yep. That was, uh, or sorry, the energy test. Um, love it. And, and it's it, so yeah. <laughs> and here's one where they, they let it play out because there, it was probably pretty close to getting stopped there in the first round. Yep. I mean, he was, he got dropped. It was, you know, great follow up by Maxim, but, that's why it's a test because Charles Johnson does not go away easy. You know, when look at the, uh, the Makaya fight and we know who Makaya is as a fighter. Yep. I'm, we keep seeing it with these guys, these younger fighters where that first time that they, it's like, Hey, yeah, we get that you put people away. We get that you can go the distance against some of these lower rung fighters, but we're talking about guys that have six, seven fights in the UFC yep. that have been around. So can you continue to do that? Let's see how Maxim responds after this because you know, up until this point, he's invincible. Yeah, and and honestly, you're not gonna just put someone out with that haircut, first of all. Johnson's haircut was awful. <laughs> you know, like Scullet. Yeah, did I hate it? But great first round by Maxim. I mean, after that first round, I'm like, whoa, dude. Johnson just figured him out. That second mm-hmm. round, he just figured him out. And like you're saying, when you're fighting these elite fi- or the maybe he's not fighting the elite yet, but you're fighting the best fighters in the world consistently, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no there's no question that my opinion on the UFC is this is where the best talent is. And when you're in that field, you're better. Maxim found that out. Like you said, he found it mm-hmm. out. Couldn't pass the test. Looked great in that first round, but that second round, he slowed down a lot. And Johnson just was like, okay, now it's my turn. Now let me mm-hmm. show you what it's like to... It was almost reminiscent of Mallet, right? When he slowed yeah. down, Magni was like, okay, let me show you what happens when someone slows down. And Gabrielle Bonfi. There, yeah. There's a trend here, yes, right? Like yes. if you are, if you're a young fighter, not in the UFC yet, you might want to be checking your cardio. Yeah. You might want to get these difficult tests outside of the UFC. Yep. So that way you don't have this air of, I can, I'm fine. Yep. Like I can beat anybody when you go in because like it, we see it time and time again. And then we look at somebody who had those tests outside of the UFC early in their career and what they're doing now with Natalia Silva. Yeah. Let's talk about her, bro. Yeah. Because she had, I mean, she was fighting Marina Rodriguez outside of the UFC early in her career. Yep. Right. I think she was one in three in her first fight, first four fights. 
I was like, how is she and, one and three in her first fight, man? She yeah. got <laughs> Math. <laughs> um, and, and now she is on the doorstep of a title shot. Yep. I mean, the, the performance she put on, DC even said she looked nervous early. Super right? She had some it was, of the, yeah. It was, it was super nervous energy. Which is very interesting, too, because it was Apex. It wasn't like a big, you know, big crowd. But I wonder if that could play into it, too, of like, this feels like it should be a big fight and it's kind of quiet in here. You know, or, I, I or, do wonder. or just knowing that, like, this is the fight that gets me to the next thing. I mean, this is really mm-hmm. her. This is really her. Now I'm here fight. And yes. maybe you just got to settle into the first round. Mm-hmm. And and she certainly did the. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arujo crowded her. That was what we wanted to see can her movement keep her out of that she let araujo get a little close early on yeah um but then there was that end to the first round where they both just started throwing yeah and it seemed like after that point so it was like okay this is we're good you know she settled in after that kind of flurry towards the end of round one yeah because really round one was super uneventful until the end right mm-hmm. now I agree on all three judges' scorecards. Arujo has to have that round. You have to give yes. it to her. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of that timidness, but Arujo just did what she had to do, pushing her. But man, Silva's just fast, dude. She's just super fucking fast. And yeah. she looked like she hit harder too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just needs to seem like she just needs to loosen up a little bit. Or we don't know what goes on in these fighters. Maybe it's just yeah. like, you know, imagine you having a bad day today and then having to go fight a killer. It's it, it's probably hard, yeah. but maybe that snap of the second round is like, okay, I'm in the fight now. Let me do what I got to do. Because after that first round, I was like, okay, this is Silva. Now you started to mm-hmm. feel the momentum. You're like, this is what we've been talking about. This is why she's been on your radar. Yes. This is what we want to see in someone, especially young. And, you know, the, the after fight, the post fight interview is good in the cage, you know, trying to get seeing happy birthday and happy stuff birthday. which was like okay it's a little much you know like even Cormier yeah. was like nah this is too much but just the excitement that she has is her birthday she's got a good personality she's quick i i don't want to keep saying this about people because we're not expecting her to be i don't think today she's championship material but her trend is championship level yes. like trending right so it's fun yeah and what we want to see the the reason i think that at least i know for me the reason i refer to a lot of these fights is tests is there certain things that a fighter has not proven yet that we want to see if they can prove it? Yep. And I think what Silva proved here is when the fight was not going her way in the biggest fight of her career so far, she was then able to regroup between rounds and implement her game plan as, as she saw, as, as you could imagine, she thought it was going to go yep. right. All of a sudden you had that almost Sean O'Malley esque like, back and forth side to side movement which if you're a kicker and like you need to keep that distance and and that was and obviously i think o'malley's a more advanced you know more flashy in his striking all of that but that constant back and forth to try to get the angles to keep from getting corralled and then when she was getting corralled she did not give Arujo any free entries. Yes. It was, oh, you want to close the distance? You're going to have a jab in your face. Yep. And it seemed like the jab, the straight right, was powerful enough to keep Arujo at bay so then she could circle out again and continue to implement her game plan. I thought it was a 
beautiful performance. What I do want to see now, especially after that first round, is what does Silva look like against a like dirty type grappler, somebody that's going to get in there, going to clinch with you. Uh, yeah, we talked about it. Winner of Chukagi and Barber, I think, would be a very good matchup from the grappling standpoint. I, I'm hoping it's Barber, uh, just because Barber does some some filthy violent things you know on yeah. the ground and in the clinch uh eventually if she crosses paths with aaron blanchfield that's going to be an interesting test and then the other silva that's hanging yep. around karini yep. you know she has that just powerful grappling game interested to see you know if, if their paths end up crossing what what that looks like for her yeah i, th- I feel like that's a little bit more down the road just because that's mm-hmm. that's like you know fighting quote backwards yeah but really impressed with her Super excited to have like that division still at the top of the division just be yes. real, real, real fun. And also super impressed with Molly McCann. Oof. Oh my God. Meatball dude. Molly. She, yes. she, just, she just looked like on a different level last night. She looked mm-hmm. on a different level than her opponent. She looked dialed in. She looked yes. healthy. Right? She looked mm-hmm. real healthy. She looked real strong. Um, I hated the fact that, uh, <clears throat> what was the guy's name? What's his name? The other announcer. John Gooden. Yeah, John Gooden. He, he said, Belbita looks to be in some discomfort. No, bro. She's in pain. That arm yes. snap. Or like it yes. pops. You know, like, and I, I know that's just. She was like shrieking. <laughs> I mean, because I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't see it like pop in, in real mm-hmm. time. So when they saw the replay, I'm like, oh, really? But just Molly just looked really good. And to snatch it with one second left. Like, I know Mighty Mouse did it on the fifth round mm-hmm. with one second left. But to snatch it to be like, I'm going, I hear the clap, I'm not going to stop. And, and also maybe uh, Belbita, is that how you say your name, Belbita? Uh, Belbita. Belbita. Okay. Maybe she felt somewhere, it's like, okay, the fight's done, or the round's done, and then she relaxed into it. But McCann just looked dialed in. She looked real thankful. I mean, to apologize to fans and stuff, it's like, or to apologize to UFC for not being your best, whatever. People have bad things. But to yeah. come back and look like the way she did, man, I mean, like I said, I think that the most impressive is fight night. She just looked healthy. She looked in good spirits. She fought clean. She dominated. It was a really, really good performance. It seemed to me that she cared more about the fight than the entertainment this time. Sure. Whereas, like, in from what we've seen from her, she likes to party. Like, you know, like, that's she's a fun-loving person. Yep. But I and I think that's why the apology to me, I thought that was a really cool thing, because even though she's saying she's apologizing to the UFC and to the, she finished it with saying, ultimately, like, I'm apologizing to myself I love because, that part. Yeah, yeah, because if you're out there and you just had a great finish and then you're just crushing whiskey cage side, like, how are you living your life? Yeah. You know, when when you're not in camp, how are you doing those things? And we see with with Patty, like he doesn't live his life outside of camp in a way that's conducive to him getting to his best performance. Sure. And for there was a maturity there for McCann to just be like, no, like this was my goal and how I thought I was going to get there was not right. So I need to change my plan. Yes. And to accept like, yeah, I'm going to have to make a lifestyle change so I can drop down and wait, do it the right way. She looked phenomenal on the scale, talked about it on the F update. She looked dialed in on the walkout. I mean, every part of it looked right. And when then when you look at, I mean, who'd she get armbarred last time by? Stoli Aranko mm-hmm. and her and Luana Carolina are huge compared to Meatball Mall, yes. huge. Yes. And so for her to just accept that, 
the grappling game was evolved. They they talked about that a lot, her entering into grappling competitions because she couldn't stand that she was getting out grappled in that way. And then the fight IQ to be winning the round and then be like, oh, there's 10 seconds left. Cool. I can now sell yep. out to this arm bar because yep. if it ends on my back, nothing's going to happen. End of round. And then like that is those are the intelligent risks because it's not really a risk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like making a bet when you already know the outcome. Worst case scenario, you're on your back. You need a shot or two for a second. Yeah. And that's it. Maybe. And so, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Worst case. And so for her to do that, I mean, she, she fucked the arm up, right? If it was either yeah. dislocated or broken, one or the other. Yeah. But for her to do that and then deliver that post-fight, um, speech I, I thought was beautiful of like i i was shortchanging myself and this is something i care about i was shortchanging everybody involved with my career and that's different now it gets me excited for her next fight because going into this fight there's a reason we didn't really talk about it because yep. after her performance the previous two performances like okay we we know who she is she's not she can't hang um at flyweight and then now lifestyle change here we go. It, it reminded me of Jillian Robertson's uh, initial drop down in weight where it's like, ooh, now she looks dialed in and ready to win. Yeah, and, and now we get to now we get to be excited about does she do it for next camp? And that's and that's that's an important point. Like it's easy to do something once, but it's easy to get undisciplined yes. too. I get undisciplined yeah. in my daily life all the time, right? Yeah. So yeah, really, really Really fun performance because I had the same thing to you. I'm like, damn, we didn't even mention her last week. Like when I was watching yeah. the fights, like, damn, we didn't even. And this is like someone that has a name. You know, people mm -hmm. might know her just and I, a highlight reel. Yep, and and we didn't even mention her. I'm like, all right, good for her. And and I yeah. love that because anybody can take that advice. I'm not changing the goal. I'm changing the plan. You know, let's yes. say you're trying to get your college degree and you're just not you're not doing well on tests. It's like I, I still want to get my college degree. I'm not studying it right. Let me get around different people. You can use it for yeah. anything in life. So yeah, really liked her performance. Really liked her. Yeah, the whole aura about her this week has been great. Yes, there's something special to seeing somebody be able to give their best. Yeah. Right? Like, in regardless of what their skill level is, regardless of what the field that they're participating in is, to see somebody maximizing their potential, there's something very special yep. to that, and it's it's fun to watch. What, I know it wasn't could, fun to watch. What was that? Go, go ahead. I was just trying to squeeze it in. Go ahead and see what you said. Talk about the iPod. The, yeah, that was it sucked. Eleven yeah. seconds in, right? Really unfortunate. Uh it's like the the Jeremy Stevens Yair one where you know I I closes up like it's it's spasming. There's nothing you can really do. And I'm, good, I'm disappointed. Good on Senko though to really like start the conversation, let them have the conversation during that time. Because, you know, it, it could be just dead noise of like the spasming part because there mm -hmm. are going to be people like, oh, someone else gets their eye poke. There was a couple eye pokes last night. I mean, the, the heavyweight, the, the first mm -hmm. fight. So like, why does this person is because once that eye, like that muscle spasm is done and it's good to kind of hear those conversations from people that have probably gotten their eye poked because I've never mm -hmm. gotten my eye poked enough where my eye closed and spasm has just been like i can't see for a little bit you know so mm -hmm. unfortunate though yeah and just especially because one kizrev does not fight often yeah and so now now granted he's not the one that got hurt so hopefully we see him step right back in 
And I was really excited because he's another one on the scale that looked like he made some lifestyle changes where he was, I mean, he was cut up, which is for his body type. Yeah. You know, it's like seeing abs on DC, like that yeah. body type does, isn't naturally yeah. shredded like some guys are. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate because that was a fight I was really looking forward and to. And it was like the first engagement of the fight too, right? Like it yeah, was, it was like, 11 yeah, seconds yeah, into yeah, the fight. So, yeah, just whatever. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, Markel Medeiros, you know, it was the experience or lack thereof i think showed uh also he just had his second kid born this week so i you know i know the first week of shit the first six months of, of having a baby i was i was not my best self yeah but um, i don't i don't know i don't want to be an asshole yeah. because i had I, you know i had twins but twins, it wasn't even been... that it just looked like very bushly grappling it just looked like it looked like two guys that didn't need to be in this environment that's what it felt like the fight didn't keep my interest in the slightest i did I've, oh, yeah. I've watched it twice now just to make sure i'm like okay let me yeah. let me see if i didn't catch something i didn't care for this fight at all now i you you want to try to call me out for saying pedestrian and saying that sounds harsh yeah. bush league yeah but far i got harsher i got bush but, league from you too and i feel far like, harsher i feel like pedestrian harsher. sounds worse but no nah. but just to kind of because i'll let you at least, because I know you were super excited about Madeiros. You like mm -hmm. love the campus stuff. For me, Madeiros gets hit so fucking much. He gets hit so much, too much, right? I think it was really sloppy grappling match. They both didn't look like they knew what to do in the yes. slightest. Um, and I really there you go with the disrespect again. But go on. <laughs> and I really like the point that DC made about the optics because even though Madeiros looked like he was more active at points, the way he ducks punches or tries to get out mm -hmm. of the way, it looks like can. Uh, Quinones is just hitting him way harder. And yeah. the first two rounds, I I think Medeiros did better. And then the third round, Quinones looked like his grappling was it's just it wasn't a fight that I think did any favors for Medeiros. That's how I feel about this fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and to be honest, I was kind of surprised that uh um Quinones didn't didn't get it on on a card because I thought like there was a, a very good argument for that because of the optics of every time Medeiros was getting hit. Uh, one of the things I noticed from Medeiros is like he wants to throw that step in knee, but every time his hands are down and he's just leaning back. But yeah. if you're in range for a step in knee, like you're in range to get punched in the face. Yeah. And it was every single time he threw it, he was getting cracked in the face. Uh, good on him for to get the win. Sure. I do hope that we see some evolution because there there are those things. There's that. There's the... You know, when the fight was at range, he did some some pretty good things, but he had that tendency to punch himself into distance and fall into a a clinch situation that did not benefit him in any way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, it, it kind of throws a little water on on the fire sure. there uh, with the excitement. But you know, you have to think with a camp like that, he's going to get some of that ironed out. Sometimes it is just getting that win. It was his first fight in the UFC, so I'm hoping. Because he did seem tense, he seemed tight, point yes. in his in his fight. Yes, um, so I'm hoping going into the into his next fight, he's just a little looser in the cage because I think that that would would really benefit him and what would benefit us and benefit you know all of our our friends out there. If you could go over uh, to 
X at number one BS pod. Give us a follow. Uh, that way you can vote in the featured prelim poll. You can see the fight picks, which uh, we only had one difference, and I'll I'll give it up to you. Moicano uh, did get the win over Daddy Dober there. So, yeah, you have you have pulled ahead by one fight, but we still have a couple months worth of fights left in, in Q1 here. Um, and then also like, subscribe, follow on whatever podcast service you are listening to us on right now. And from this fight night to another fight night, which with fight nights, you know, this one had some major fights of consequence some really exciting prospects. Not every fight night is created equally. And so when I was looking at this card initially, I was like, you know, cool. There's some grizzled vets. We have Michael Johnson fighting. We have Brad Tavares fighting. But I didn't have that initial excitement uh, for this card. Obviously, Hermanson Pfeiffer is going to be cool. Yes, um, yes. He said it's going to be then, cool. <laughs> yeah, it will. But then as I was going through and, and doing the research, I mean, I I called you during the week. I was like, dude, Carlos Pratis, yep. awesome. Uh, and, and I did start to get excited for some of these guys. One of those guys, Bellagioki. Rewatching his contender series fight, and he's taking on Demir Hadzovich. That's as good as I can pronounce that name. There's all kinds of letters that do um, worse, have, so. yeah, that have weird squigglies that I'm not used to. Uh, <laughs> squigglies. But Oki is a very interesting guy. He was um, pretty big underdog on contender series. He was taking on a very accomplished striker in Dylan Salvador, and said, "Cool, I'm a beat you at your own game." Hurt him badly with the straight and showed some of that IQ that we talked about with Lee from this past week where hurt him and then immediately went to the body because what's the reaction? I just got cracked in my face, hands going up and then immediately started working the body. It was really good, continued to go to the body, um, you know, until Salvador just basically brought the hands down. And, you know, one thing I did notice Oki Gets has a little poeton to him where his hands were by his side when he was throwing mm-hmm. when he had him hurt. So, yep. you know, obviously that's something he's going to want to shore up. But you go in there, you put on that kind of performance, you're nine fights into your career and you got six finishes. Cool. I want to watch you fight. So, so when you uh, mentioned that, you know, you're kind of want to highlight Oki this week, I'm like, okay, let me, mm-hmm. let me, because I didn't, I didn't know who he was, right? Mm-hmm. Not, I can't find too much. You know, sometimes I can get deep in the web and find some stuff. But yeah. obviously, the thing I've seen, he's, he's, he's a great striker, right? Super clean striking, a lot of power. That combination was nice on Salvador. Here's the thing that I'm looking at for this matchup. Wait, how did you say it? Hadjavik? Uh, we'll go Demir. Demir. Yes. Okay, there <laughs> he's you go. First Thank name. You. Demir <laughs> has been fighting at the UFC level for a long time. And we just yep. talked about it. We just talked about it. And this, Last night's fight night is that what happens when these people that are fighting here get that get to that level and I'm I'm I don't know much about Oki so watching the potential of like him being this like crazy strong ass striker and you know in a lightweight division that could use it but man it's it's you're fighting someone that's a vet of the UFC those things are tough. This is a te- this yes. is this is the test that he has to pass to come into the UFC, and it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and, and just to bring up Money Moicano, he had fought uh, Demir previously, and there's been clips going around on Twitter of that post fight or X uh, over the last week where uh, Demir gets submitted in 44 seconds, and then Moicano's like angry at him, like screaming at him, 
And he's like yelling, I wanted to fight longer. And Demir's like, well, you shouldn't have submitted me. <laughs> Hilarious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't beat me yeah. so fast, you fucking dork. Yeah, that, that's on you. Yeah, that's your that's fault. That's my fault. <laughs> asshole but yeah i mean I, i'm really interested to see like uh when these people come in and they're you know because oki's a prospect at this point mm -hmm. he's nothing but a prospect and you're fighting mm -hmm. someone with like this many fights in the ufc where he's testing his metal it's gonna be it's gonna it, it could be a very tough time for him you know mm -hmm. next saturday yeah, and then we, we have some interesting prospects on this card that are much more established in their career yeah. that have gone the route of the Natalia Silvas, yeah. uh, you know, doing, having some, a lot of fights outside of the UFC. And one of those is Carlos Pradas. He's 30 years old, making his UFC debut. And he is, ooh, he is very talented. First of all, he's a welterweight with a six foot six inch reach. So there's that. He's not quite built like slender man sean woodson but it's it's similar really long legs um, but just has a very very evolved striking game I and mean, the guy has 17 wins 15 or finishes yeah. and and it's i went back and watched some of his uh lfa fights because we we do only have the one contender series as far as uh you know zufa fight there but are not zufa endeavor yeah you know, showing my age <laughs> but the ending he had against uh hocha that there was multiple fights i watched where he knocked guys down and then stood back i was like no get up <laughs> just telling people to get back up i mean he dropped hocha told him to get up hocha kind of hesitated and he was like all right fuck it straight right to him on the ground just accurate i mean he's he's scary and and he showed with a guy who has that level of of muay thai he showed and he better have good Muay Thai because he has Muay Thai tattooed on his chest. Imagine so, if he just like, <laughs> yeah, just, just uh, bush, bush league striking, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, yeah, you better be a dog. You yeah. better be fucking people up. You got, you have a martial art tattooed on your chest. Uh, but he, he showed really good balance against Eduardo uh, Ramon. Good takedown defense. And that was supposed to be like Ramon's this grappler. He's going to take him down. And he, he couldn't. Yep. And then Sniper straight it reminds me a little bit of imavov of just he is super accurate with the straights and and carries a lot of power with his straights um, <laughs> he throws he throws really cool shit too like there was one point where he looked like he was gonna throw a kick against uh ramon and then kind of turned it into a knee almost like uh marais and aljo but this one looked like it was kind of land mm -hmm. and it just dropped i mean absolutely his ko's are devastating yeah i mean he is he's hurting people badly on that one uh he hops up on the cage afterwards kyle bahalio who's his training partner uh but is also a uh um a commentator for some of these lfa cards yeah. hands him a bottle of howlerhead whiskey sitting on the cage like dr drinking whiskey afterwards yeah yeah tight move but the training with bahalio has shown up because in his uh, contender series fight against Ramirez, you know, has a beautiful sweep in there. Like you can tell he's drilling it. I mean, Bahalio is a phenomenal grabber. Obviously, he calls it fight nerds, right? Like yeah, does the game nerds, planning. Yeah, yeah. And if you are training with those guys, your fight IQ should be good. Your grappling should be good. Um, I think it says a lot about this guy. One, that he has the Slipknot ass tattooed on his leg. 
you know, good on you, my guy. Yes, sir. Um, you know, he's got my heart, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the last guy we saw with the Slipknot tattoo, Brian Stan, was a pretty good fighter in there his own go, right. Baby. So, uh, and we'll always root for Brian Stan uh, in anything it, he does in life because Yakota Air Force Base. Yes, sir. See you, Brian. Um, but it says a lot about Protus that this guy's making his debut against Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles is a vet of the UFC and not on the level of a Demir, but somebody that has been in there with some pretty, pretty big name guys and his winning record, right? He's somebody that they're now using as a litmus test yep. for, for some of these product or prospects like he fought Drickus. At dog, 185. Dog, dog, hold on. Let's let's talk about that. He fought Drigus and did well until Drigus knocked him out, right? Or mm -hmm. whatever. He did well against DDP. Yeah. This is this is I mean, the bomb theme is the thing that I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, right. Like it was so fast. Yes. <laughs> it is like especially but that's what with, they're well, showing. But especially with Bonfim losing the way he did, just getting mm -hmm. sunned on the next fight. It's like, okay, that yeah. doesn't look great. But yeah, Giles is no fucking slouch as far as like testing metal. But man, yeah, he has he has a win over Roman Delizze. Yeah, and where Giles is at now is we know who you are, so we're gonna put you in there with our prospects. He's fought Michael Morales. He's mm. fought Gabriel Bonfim. And those were two very highly touted prospects. That lets you know what the UFC thinks of Carlos yep. Perez. And and not an easy fight for. Parada is because he, I mean, don't get me wrong. He knocks people down with jabs, which is always mm -hmm. fun to watch. Like I always love to see that because, you know, it's not boxing. So other things can happen, but when you're seeing like a jab, knock someone down, like you said, he's got crazy, like head kicks, knockout power. It's just one of those things where now you're testing your metal against someone that has tested their metal. Mm -hmm. and, and I, I don't want to make this like the theme of this show, but it just seems like it's happening. You're fighting somebody that has experience at the highest level that trains for the people at the highest level. You know, it's yes, different. If been you're, in there with them. Yeah. If you're seen it, if you're, I mean, I can imagine with anything, if you're playing, you know, if you're in a little garage band and you're playing against 20 people, it's different. The nerves for playing in front of 20,000 people. You, know, you have to get used to that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. You got to get used to that feeling of like, I'm going to start playing my songs fast. This is, this is a tough one, but Pradas, man, doing research on him has been fun. It has yes. been real, real, real exciting because I didn't, I didn't know who he was before. You know, mm -hmm. this week's coming up, and I'm like, ooh. But it's just, I can't do research on someone without looking at the person they're facing. And I'm like, yes. but Giles has faced so many people. He's yeah. faced so many killers, man. It's, it's. We might see another fight next Saturday where the new guy just hasn't hasn't had that level of competition. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we're in. What gives me some hope for uh, Pradas in this sense is that he's he has a long career. Yes. He's fought in LFA, you know, quite a few fights in LFA. So he's had it's not the UFC and, and college football players talk about it all the time when they get to the NFL. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, that's right. In college, even if you're playing in the SEC, the Big Ten, you're seeing two or three NFL guys every week. Yeah. Well, guess what? Everyone's an NFL yep. caliber guy when you're in the Great NFL. Comparison. It's the same thing here is. You know, if you have 15 fights outside of the UFC, you might have fought two or three UFC caliber fights. Yeah. Everyone's a UFC caliber fighter now. So really excited for this. It reminds me of when I, with Isaac Tolgarian, of like just watching and be like, oh, they, we got something special, I think, here uh, in, in this guy. So it should be fun. Uh, another prospect who has a, 
a good amount of experience outside of the UFC. Uh, Robert Brychek, I have no idea how to say his name. Yeah, it's me Polish, either. so yeah. And everyone was saying it different. Uh, it's like Joanna uh, Jacek yeah. said, it's like the Americans' mouths aren't designed to to speak Polish words. That's fine. Uh, yeah, he was supposed to be fighting Albert Durayev, uh, but that fight fell through within the last week. I noticed that when I was you know watching the fights last night. They announced he is now fighting Ihor uh, Potieria. Who good, has not good been they, on a good they keep him on the card. So I didn't mean to cut you off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Potieria dropping down to middleweight after getting brutalized at light heavyweight his past couple of fights. Like yeah. there needed to be a change. Uh, so very, very different fight though, because Daria was, you know, V at the end of the name, like going to be a grappler. <laughs> but watching Robert will just say, UFC debut, but did not have to go through contender series. You know, the he is Polish power is, is the thing that I had yeah. written out. Like the right hand's devastating. The three fights I watched totaled six minutes. Um, I mean, just hits people and it hurts them. Yeah. And they go down like I hit you, you fall down kind of stuff. And yeah. it's it's going to be interesting because Potieria has been dropped Right, like we saw that when he fought Olberg, yeah, uh, fighting another oh, guy who God. he hits you, you go down. Oh, yeah. And so, I think this is a much better matchup for Robert. Uh, but we'll we'll see. But anytime you have a guy who's a boxer and and has that, you know, Blahovich Polish power, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, and it was real interesting because one of the things when I was doing research leading up to, because I didn't I didn't realize it till last night either. Right, just kind of getting my nose together. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what happened? Yeah. So, Robert, because I'm definitely not going to be able to say his last name. <laughs> one of the questions that I had versing a wrestler was, I don't have a lot of footage of his takedown defense, really. Right? Mm-hmm. I just didn't have a lot of footage. I was like, okay, that's one thing that like, I can at least kind of see what's going to happen. We're not seeing that this fight. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. now we're seeing two dudes bang, bro. They're going to bang, bro. So, <laughs> just let me bang, bro. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is probably. You know, not surprisingly, if this is a um, TKO KO situation in this fight, I'm not going to be surprised at all. But still, you know, fun, fun fight. This this could potentially yeah. be a fun fight. But I was trying to look at Robert to see, okay, what happens when someone with a V is going to pressure you? That would have been fun to watch. Yes, yeah, it's from an entertainment standpoint. This is probably a better fight. <laughs> Way more. But from an educational standpoint, us yeah. learning yeah. about this, you know, 33-year-old prospect with over 20 pro fights, yeah, you know, not quite as educational for us. Uh, and then the last prospect that, that I want to bring up was Daniel Marcos. Uh, he's taking on Arichi Ling at Bantamweight. We've seen Marcos... Uh, you know, fighting the UFC before, it, it's a little hard to to call him a, a prospect at this point because he does have two fights in the UFC. But he's had a couple fights postponed now. Yeah, he was supposed to fight Daniel Santos in November. That got canceled. Then Victor Hugo couldn't make weight, got canceled day before, and then was supposed to fight Carlos Vera a month later. That got canceled. You know, he just keeps getting fights pushed back. But he's a he's interesting. Because he's he's a kickboxer, fifteen and zero. You know, all his finishes, uh, eight of them have have come you know by KO TKO. But he's a little Monel Coppish. Oh, he hmm. fights to the pace of the fight. Not that he's like angry and throwing out slurs, <laughs> uh, but he's he fights to his opponent's pace. Like in the the uh, Simon uh, Oliveira fight, 
I, it was a higher pace fight, very entertaining. Yeah. The Davy Grant fight, he kind of sat back there and and was content to circle with Davy Grant and do some things. And once Davy Grant started putting on the pressure, uh, then it was then you saw Marcos pick up his pace. But if you're fighting at a leisurely pace for ten minutes, those last five, it's hard to p- to pick it up at that point. What would you think about? The Davy Grant, like rewatching that one, I'm like, did I they, thought Davy Grant won. Yeah, did the cut save him? Did the cut save <laughs> Marcos from losing that fight? Okay, I, that, that's actually the question I have. I'm like, because he looks super hesitant to Grant. Like, I use the word hesitant. Maybe it's just like now that you're saying it, it's like, damn, I wish, I wish you would have mentioned that to me so I could have watched the fight being like he's fighting at a pace. Because to me, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, he looks super hesitant. But I feel like the cut won him that fight. I was like, oh, Agreed. you know, just like, and I mean, maybe that's maybe that's fair, but. Wasn't super impressed at his performance, not impressed by your performance on that <laughs> fight, but with, I can't even say this guy's last name, Ariel. Arichi Ling. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he just doesn't seem like he has power. He just doesn't seem like he has power to me. Um, no. So, yeah, I mean, this this should be a fun fight, but now it's going to be fun. Just That's why I, I, I like doing this podcast with you, because now I'm going to watch saturday and be like what pace is he fighting at right like what what is he dictating the pace is he just comfortable with the flow that's going in there's gonna be real fun to watch yeah and he's marcos is one of those gym guys where you hear his training partners talk about like this guy is next level type skills and then he gets in there and it almost seems like some of his fights are sparring sessions where it's just this like okay this is how the guy's not going to bring it to me cool i'll sit here and just kind of touch touch from the outside it's yeah it's it's uh i'm I'm interested to see i i do hope that uh, arichi ling just pressure right off the bat so we can see uh how how he responds to that co-main event they was supposed to be dan ige versus larone murphy larone murphy french method he's out andre Touchy feely, one of my favorite nicknames, stepping in. And I'm actually very intrigued by this fight. One, because we saw in Touchy Feely's last fight the against Lucas Almeida, uh, got the finish, got the knockout, which he had not had in a while. But both of these fighters have had long, really good UFC careers, but have not been able to break through at the top level. Yeah. They've they've had multiple opportunities to fight big name guys, and for both guys, they just have not been able to take that next step. I think Feely is a bit more of a difficult puzzle because I think Dan Ige, like we we kind of know what he's going to do. He's going to stand orthodox. He has that beautiful left hook. He switches stance in in the transitions. Don't get me wrong, but we have a pretty good idea of of what this guy is. Feely does a lot of really interesting stuff. And when he's dialed in, it's it's impressive. Like when when you that fight with Nathaniel Wood, I had forgotten how good that fight was, where like one and two were rounds one and two were basically mirrored, where like round one, Wood gets dropped and then comes back and dominates the rest of the round. Round two. Feely gets dropped and he comes back to dominate the rest of the round. And by round three, they're both kind of tired yeah, and it was yeah, yeah. more measured pace. But I for rewatching that, I was like, oh yeah, I was super amped up watching this fight <laughs> the first time. Uh, and yeah, I'm it this is one of those fights I don't think either one of these guys is ever no. gonna contend. No. But I just think it's going to be a fun, 
interesting wild scrap. And, and for me, like speaking of the Nathaniel Wood versus Philly fight, like Philly, Philly got tagged, and mm-hmm. and Ige, you don't want to get tagged by Ige too much, right? Mm-hmm. And we, like you said, we know Ige's got great stand up, and I know he's like like a BJJ guy, but against Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell, his takedown defense was so garbage to me. Like, rewatching that fight, I forgot they even fought, dude. I forgot they fought. And I'm just like, man, now, will Philly try to play the game of trying to get him down? Maybe. I think this is going to be a stand-up fight. I don't know. This this is going to be a fun fight, but this is one of these fights that, like you're saying, this has no no discernible, like... uh, ranking anything it's it's just like we just want these guys to fight we want a good fight philly's mm-hmm. coming off of really getting that you know last win and just kind of his post fight comments after his excuse me win against almeida looked like a rejuvenated person right and it's always yes. easy to say that because I, I i promise you if tony ferguson wins his next fight he'll feel rejuvenated but it felt genuine so coming in with that, I hope. Sorry, I hope Tony Ferguson does not have a next. Yeah, yeah but what I'm saying is, like, even someone <laughs> like him that's lost seven yeah. in a row, if he won, it would it would in his mind be like, I'm back, right? Yeah. But for Philly, he's not losing seven in a row. But like you said, it wasn't like it wasn't like some blowout against Thunder Wood. Yeah, he did get tagged, but then he took over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happened the same way. Other way. So you kind of feel like okay, he might still have that in him. I think this is just a little fun fight, but. Watching the fight, you're not going to be like, oh, this person's going to be champion. You're just not. I, I don't even think they're going to be rank ranking, yeah. you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I think I think this differed. You know, you mentioned you can't get touched by Danny Gay, and I agree with you. Yeah. But it seemed like the speed was the issue in the Nathaniel Wood fight. That oh, no, was sure. just so fast that that's why he was getting clipped. Uh, when we... Feely is so kind of loose and smooth that when he fights a guy that's slower than him, it becomes very evident. Yeah. And, and I think he's going to be faster than Ige. And, and so, the, yeah, it, it's a very intriguing stylistic matchup. And then another intriguing stylistic be, matchup. Be, before before yeah. you go into that, yeah. is Pfeiffer stock rising because of this fucking Joe Rogan and this fight? Like, he just feels like... He's everywhere right now, right? Like, I, I don't mean to cut you off from like breaking yeah. down a fight. That's what we're here yeah, for. No. But, but yeah. like, there's some excitement to this main event because of his outside stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm always someone that's like, your marketing's got to be. I don't care how good you are. Bilal Muhammad isn't getting his chance because of his outside of the cage stuff, which is he's just not connecting with fans. Pfeiffer seemed like he really connected with fans in this like 2024, right? Yeah. He's a guy that every time I hear him speak at length, it makes me like him. More. Yes, dude. He just connected. He can. That's what I'm saying. He connected with me on a level that I'm like, I'm really a fan of this guy. Out of nowhere, I'm just a yeah. fan of Pfeiffer, right? He yeah. did a great job. I, I think he's really genuine. I yes. think that's. I think he's genuine and and very self aware, which I which I think is very endearing to people. I think it's one of the reasons that people really like Cheeto. Yes. Because I I think Cheeto is very self-aware, right? When you hear him talk about what happened in the Sanhagen fight, you know, it's it's not a, oh, this guy was moving around. He wouldn't stand and fight me. It was a, like I froze. Like yeah. it was, you know, and and so I think that that is very endearing. I, I think Pfeiffer's humble as well. Like when you hear him speak, 
he's like, hey, I'm like, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm trying to learn this. And, you know, just like that kind of the he's genuine, he's earnest. And and I think that that resonates with with a lot of people. Um, I th- also his style is it's just very, very uh, exciting. And, and I think that it all kind of marries together. I think there's a difference between like when you hear Sean Strickland talk about his childhood trauma yeah, and that it's a, he tries to laugh it off and then, but you can tell it's still like really eating. He hasn't healed from that, it. Yeah. 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 And and I don't know if Pfeiffer has either. Yeah. And and that was one of the more interesting parts in the, the Rogan interview is when Rogan was kind of talking about like, you can still get help, man. Yeah. Like this doesn't need to be something yeah. you think about every day. Uh, but the, how open Pfeiffer is about it. Like, yeah, this is like very serious. Like, this is why I am the way I am is having to deal with these things. And and I think that that is also very endearing and makes people want to root for him. Well, I think that's one of the things that a lot of these fighters just can't figure out. Because first of all, if you're a fan of the UFC, a fan of MMA, and now some boxing fans, we all know who Francis Ngannou is. We all mm-hmm. know that he is the motherfucker of all motherfuckers when it comes to power. And then you have this thing where you're like, who's this, who's this guy that doesn't look as scary as Francis and he hits harder than them? What? So it opens up your ears to say, this guy hits harder than Francis and Ganu. No way. Even I was like, no way. I didn't want to believe it. I don't know why I didn't want to believe it, (laughs) but you're like, I mean, it's, it's true. Then you start becoming a fan of the guy and then you go, okay, well, what's the matchup now talking about this matchup, man? Like, Obviously, we know Hermanson, very well-rounded, switches things up pretty good. Pfeiffer, great wrestling. Now we know Now we know he has power, right? I don't know if Hermanson could take Pfeiffer down. I'm interested in seeing that. But also, I'm interested in seeing because we've seen Pfeiffer get leg kicked, and Hermanson can mm-hmm. kick someone's legs. Mm-hmm. I did read one interesting stat. I think it's with a seven-year difference. This is an eight-year difference. Hermanson's eight years older. 35, yeah, 35 to 27. I think it's like 61% of the time the younger guy wins. And if it's 10 years older, it's like 73% of the time. So like, obviously that doesn't matter because if I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you. But it's another stat that's just like, hmm, right now, now Pfeiffer's got this stuff. It's his opportunity to get like higher up in the rankings and a middleweight division that is already exciting. This is, this is. The one thing about this card that I've been super excited about, and then watching fights again, I'm like, oh, I'm this, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold yeah. on this, on the fight matchup, and then Pfeiffer's personality. Hermanson didn't do that. There's, there's no footage of him talking and like boasting himself up, but yeah. Pfeiffer's doing the right thing, man. He's doing a really good thing. Yeah, and my apologies to all of our listeners. Body bags. Body bags. We didn't mention it. What so the hell have we? We've been talking about this for like five minutes. Yes, his personality. <laughs> um, and, and I, wait, wait. Is, and it, I, is it is it her man's in now? Or are we, are we doing yeah, that? Or no? this is the, this is the S versus Z <laughs> okay, matchup. Fair enough. Um, and, and I say that with all due respect. We uh, we've talked about it before of you know we feel that the z on the on the nickname tells us something about old body bags that we did not know he's before. my generation yes yeah. and i'm well 10 years younger but, but he's, here, we started here disease, for man. we started disease, yeah, Our no doubt started disease. no doubt here for it um but yeah piper is very interesting and this matchup is very interesting because one like we know her who her manson is 
he can go 25 minutes. He did it against Sean Strickland. He really frustrated Chris Curtis yep. uh, by fighting a very, very smart fight, throwing the kicks and the kick, great calf kicks, but was throwing him to all levels. He he rocked Curtis with the head kick, kick to the body. This is, he has shown a patience that can frustrate other people. Pfeiffer has not had to fight very long. In the UFC, I think his longest fight has been uh, eight minutes. Uh, it was, yeah, the Abdul Razak Al Hassan yep. fight, fight. You know, yeah. So he has he hasn't had to fight very long, uh, and this is scheduled for twenty five minutes. And one of the things that I noticed in the Al Hassan fight is every single thing that Pfeiffer does is big. I mean, every shot he throws is super hard. <clears throat> All, in his striking defense, it's big movements. Yep. Like Al Hassan had him up against the cage and he was doing these big like swings with his head. His takedowns, he's not dragging people to the ground. He's picking them up over his head and slamming them down. Like everything takes a ton of energy. We haven't had to see, I mean, Piper's never fought 25 minutes. But we haven't had to see him even fight 15 in the UFC at, at a pace where he's getting his legs kicked where, I mean, Hermanson's elusive. He's yep. not getting hit clean by guys. Yep. Does Pfeiffer have the uh, the footwork to be able to corral Hermanson? I, I don't know. That mm -hmm. That's not something that we've had to see. Chris Curtis didn't have it. So is Pfeiffer going to have it? The reach, I think, is going to come into play here because Pfeiffer has a very unique body type where it generates power. We've seen it with guys. He's built very similar to Dominic Reyes, mm. right? Like that long body, mm -hmm. shorter, shorter limbs, shorter arms, shorter legs. Same thing with Hamzat, right? Where it's this kind of longer body. It's good for grappling. Pfeiffer is a really good grappler, yeah. uh, but also it generates power. Yeah. Like all three of those guys knock people the fuck out. And so... That's not Hermanson's body type. He's got them long arms, right? Like he's going to be able to touch you from distance. Huh. I want to know what that looks like. There is a thing, God, but the thing about Pfeiffer is he doesn't have one equalizer. It's both hands. Yeah. I mean, he's knocking people out with both hands. And in every fight I watched, when he connected clean on a guy, he took their will to fight. If he didn't put him out, he took their will to fight. Look what happened with the mere shark tit in his pants <laughs> fight where he hit him and dropped him and he just went fetal. Yeah. Like he he wasn't unconscious, but he was like, fuck, I'm, I'm not doing anything. Like I, I don't want to get hit like that Ngannou, again. He's man. Yes. Like that's, that, it, it makes sense now, right? Yes. And he's probably accurate as shit. That's mm -hmm. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see the evolution of Pfeiffer too, because in the Al Hassan fight, he came out and took him down immediately. Almost like, oh, you guys think I'm just here to throw hands? No, we're going to dump this guy on his back. Then we'll stand up and we can do the man dance. Yeah. Like, I'm, I am very, very interested to see Pfeiffer. You get too comfortable him. saying the man dance thing. Oh, yeah. I, that is, that's part of my vocabulary now for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Strickland and Curtis. Yeah. Uh, Curtis. <laughs> but he, he has me believing. Yeah. He has this undying belief when you hear him speak. I mean, even in, you know, the, the mere shard in his pants fight, here's a guy who has a ton of experience. And he's like, I don't see him being better than me anywhere. Yeah. And he proved it and he beat him in a grappling match too. So wait, so you'll say mere shard in his pants and just be 
super disrespectful, but you want to say Renob? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Defend yeah, yourself, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, Defend yeah. yourself. Yeah. You just said mirror shot in your pants. I think three times. Yeah. 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 Mm. I'll, I'll start checking myself. I guess. <laughs> no, just I say Renob, man. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Not, this is this is not a calling it a scary Russian a boner. The, this is one of the things that's a fight of consequence in the main event for mm-hmm. fight night card, especially with you know. We don't know what's going to happen, but still talks about maybe Izzy versus DDP and 300, blah, blah, blah. But it's like this this middleweight division is really, really good. And, you know, got some fine announcements with some of the top 15 people in middleweight that are coming up that we'll talk about. And it's like to get out of that bubble, there's so many op- there's so many people at that bubble. And Pfeiffer, and Pfeiffer is having the personality and the skill set to look like he's going to break through that bubble in 2024, right? Yeah, and yeah. this is... This is huge. Hermanson, even though not the most exciting fighter, yeah. he's top 10 and he's been in the top 10 for a long yep. time. Yep. So you win this, you are you are in the top 10 most likely. Gotta be, right? Right? And so Imovov just had a win over number eight. But as of now, Imovov, and I said it two different ways, <laughs> just so I'd be right at least once, uh, hopefully, 11. Paul Craig, 12. Chris Curtis, 13. Fluffy Hernandez, 14. Kyle Bahalio, 15. Yep. So you get this win, you're going to leapfrog some of those guys. Yep. Right? And now, all of a sudden, you're looking above you. Hamzat, Delize, Brendan <laughs> Allen, Costa, Vittori, Cannoneer, Bobby Knuckles, Izzy, Strickland, Doorbell Hater. Jesus. That's what we're looking at. Have fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. And so, major, major fight of consequence. Uh, yeah, as I was doing the research, it, it was like one Hermanson much better than people give him credit for. Even, he fights even much better smart. than I gave him credit for. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. When I say people, like yeah, myself like me, included, I, I was so biased to be like, I just think, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, pump the brakes there, weirdo. You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I call myself a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But super skilled, super smart, super experienced. Yep. Like this is a we talk about tests. This is a major test old body bags and i'm excited to see it uh, and then you had referenced some of these matchups that got announced we'll we'll stick right with middleweight ufc 301 may 4th in rio de janeiro they announced kyle bahayo versus paul craig, craig. and if you want to see fun grappling like this is yes please because bahayo smothering top game craig as dangerous as it gets off his back like woo this is and, and they both need this win. Like I know Bahalio, but uh, they both need this, right? This mm-hmm. is number fifteen versus twelve. Bahalio fifteen, Craig twelve. Y- y'all both need this because, like you said, Pfeiffer might jump you guys by by yes. winning this weekend. You know, yes. And for Bahalio, he's somebody who's supremely skilled. He's fifteen and one, yep. but does not have the most exciting style. No, nope. just to be, you know, to be honest, it's dominant. But it's not the most exciting. So, yeah, he kind of needs to go out there and make a statement in front of the Brazilian fans. Yes. Like, I, yeah, it, it's big. His last fight was boring. It was a boring fight. Yeah. 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 He should have. And it doesn't help that Almeida Lewis was also on that card. Sure. So there's just a bit of a bad taste of kind of two just dominant grappling performances yes. that didn't didn't have the most, uh, yeah. you know, weren't the most exciting. Now a fight that is without a Doubt going to be exciting. Announced for the March 2nd fight night card. Still no headliner for that one, uh, but that is the one that was supposed to be in Saudi Arabia is now going to be in Vegas. 
light heavyweight Tyson Pedro Vitor Petrino. Yeah. We need it. We need we need exciting, just exciting light heavyweight matchups. This is what we need. I, I don't care if there's consequence or not. We just need them to be good matchups, and this is one of them. Oh, this is do or die for Pedro. Oh, 100%. Bro. Do or die because he was the prospect yep. and has shown that after five minutes, he is a very different fighter than he is in the first five minutes, and he's fucking scary in the first five yep. minutes. But after that, not the same. Petrino, the up-and-comer, and has shown that he can get finishes later in fights for somebody who looks just physically like he should gas out. Mm -hmm. He does not. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, this is very exciting because if you can't, you're Tyson Pedro and you're putting on these you know exciting performances you're going to have a home in the UFC for sure but if you can't put away the next round of up and comers and there's not a lot at yeah. light heavyweight yeah but if you can't fend these guys off you're not going to be in the top 15 nope. and now all of a sudden you're that you're the Tyson Pedro test can this person survive you know just abject scariness for the first five minutes of a fight yep so super excited for that one. And somebody that might be headlining this card. They have not announced an opponent yet, but uh, Ali, his manager, has come out and said Umar Nurmagomedov is oh, going to be on this card. There was speculation it was going to be uh, Corey Sanhagen, but Sanhagen said he's still three to four months away from being able to compete after surgery. But I'll watch Umar fight. I want to see Umar fight. Please, please, please. Don't just be a rumor. Yeah, don't, don't just be a rumor. Don't... <laughs> Don't, yeah, this needs to happen. We need to see yeah. the fight. Yep. And then the March 23rd fight night card, which is headlined by Amanda Hibas and Thug Rose. To, uh, that one, we got a Bantamweight fight announced on that, which is super exciting. Cameron Simon versus Peyton Talbot. It's Bantamweight. It is, you say, say no more. Yeah, yeah. And the, the depth of that weight class, it's very rare that you see two prospects under the age of 25 that are this early in their UFC careers meet. But there's so much talent at Bantamweight. You know, they almost have to weed out the prospects early on to be like, who's the real prospects that we can start making a push for? But both of these guys, talented exciting young guys and and i think it's really uh when this fight got announced there was some backlash on on the sure dog message boards of people saying like oh it's too early for these two prospects to be fighting but i think this is almost something that gets done in bellator but doesn't get done in the ufc and i think in a division that's this deep we need to see more of is hey let's let's have these guys test each other early on and so that way, an L for either one isn't devastating to their career. Like we saw with Ex Simon again. I'm about to say, Go except ahead. for Simon already got his first loss, right? So like two losses in a row is not great for his career, right? What? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But what helps him is the loss was to C-Rod, yeah. who is one, missed weight in that fight, missed weight two fights in a row, yeah, like should, it. you know, but also C-Rod, Beat Raul Rosas like it is a very talented fighter yeah. who's passed every test other than JSP yeah. in, on short notice in his UFC debut. So I I don't think that loss is a particularly bad loss. Obviously, two in a row isn't great, but this is something where, you know, for all we know, Peyton Talbot might be a guy that's going to be top 15 in the next two to three years. And yeah. so that's not a loss that's that bad. I I actually like this matchup. More so than if, say, this time last year they matched up Natalia Silva, Karini Silva. Oh, I got like, you. Here's one where I think it it actually makes sense. 
And then one that I have to announce because I am a huge fan of his style, April 6th on the Vittori Allen fight night card. My man, Trevor Peak, sprint to the finish. Uh, he's got his next fight coming up against Charlie Campbell, who's also a bit of a sprint to the finish guy. Had some uh, an interesting celebration after he won his last fight uh, with the pelvic thrust. Uh, yeah, so that that's just, I think, going to be a fun fight regardless of how it plays out. Um, and then our last announcement isn't an addition, but a subtraction. Man. And that is what was announced as the headliner of the March 30th Atlantic City card. Uh, Vicente Luque, Sean Brady, that fight is off. Sean Brady has not recovered yet from yeah. whatever injury he had, which it sucks. We talk about all the time with Sean Brady. You know, here's a guy who is supremely talented, but just keeps getting injured. He had talked about making an adjustment to how he was training, getting more sleep and all that. And you were kind of hoping yeah. that, that it would lead to fewer injuries, but you hear Pfeiffer talk about it. And like Sean Brady's the epitome, like over trainer yeah. kind of guy just loves to be in the gym. So unfortunate there. It's like a Tatiana Suarez type thing where it's like, God, you're injured again. Shit. You know? Yeah. Just Shit. snake bitten. Yeah. Just snake bitten. Now what makes this one so interesting is that contract apparently was never signed. So you are announcing a main event of a card where the contract's not signed yep. and you're announcing it like it was. Yep. And that's really important because anybody that uh, follows MMA would know this week that a fight we were all very, very excited for, and thankfully are still excited for Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis taking place on, was it 299 as a five round co-main? Because I think it's still Appar stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Apparently, the contract was not signed yep. and they are publicly announcing here is the co-main. They're already selling tickets to that event and the contract was not signed yep. because Poirier said, yeah, you're not meeting my terms. I don't, I'll take the fight. Yeah, but not at the terms you're discussing. And then all of a sudden the UFC just goes out there and says that the, the fight's happening, trying We've seen it time and again, these kind of strong arm negotiation tactics. It's business. I get it. Everyone wants the leverage. But to announce this fight and then now all of a sudden we're a month out and Dustin Poirier has to publicly say, hey, you know, and, and the way he did it was pretty clever. Like, hey, don't have a fight, but still training. And it's like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. <sighs> so so we talked about this a little yesterday and. One of the things I really wanted to harp on, and it was it was fun talking to you about this because I just look at Dustin Poirier as one of the people that have probably in his past and his younger UFC career got screwed over by the UFC, and mm -hmm. I think he's too smart for him to get screwed over again. And I think this situation proves it. I think the UFC has proven time and time again they'll announce something to try to pressure a fighter into there. Dustin Poirier is not going to allow that to happen, right? So he probably gets paid a base, whatever, and wants to get paid more because really, what does this fight do for Dustin Poirier? Nothing. It, it, realistically, not to shit on Saint-Denis because we are fans of him, but mm -hmm. the fan base isn't. And this is a dangerous-ass fight for Poirier. You know, you're coming off of a, a KO loss in your last fight. This person's trying to make a name off of you. You're number three in the lightweight division. You know, anyways... The UFC is going to try to do what the UFC does. That's what they're supposed to do. I'm not going to be mad at something or somebody doing what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Dustin Poirier, I think, played this the best way that he could. He 
is not going to let them sign. And his name is what is um, his name matters. Like you're saying, people are selling because Dustin Poirier is on the card. He's got a fan base. He's got mm-hmm. his own business. He's not stupid. And it's nice to feel like this man has gotten to a point of his career where he can't get strong armed. And like you said, he did it right. I'm, I'm still training. I just, I, I didn't have a fight. And then, oops, sorry for the misunderstanding, guys. I, lo- yep. I, I love what Dustin Poirier did. I want the UFC to be successful, but I don't want it to be successful with always the stuff that we don't hear about all the time. We don't hear about how many people get screwed over. Dustin Poirier said, fuck that. And I love it for him. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like what a vet move. And I don't just mean in the fight game, but in the, like the business world, right? Like here's a guy who owns his own company now, like of, of just that understanding of the, the negotiations are going on. seems like they've stalled out. UFC thinks they have the leverage. All I have to do is tweet this one thing, this one thing, all of a sudden huge backlash, every single person is now announced is talking about it now. Yep. There was like a five hour period where every that's all people in the MMA world were talking about. The UFC obviously met his demands, and then just the oh yeah, hey, meet the demands, and I'll say that I misunderstood. <laughs> you, you know, and then like publicly does it. No, no egg on the face of Dustin Poirier. You know, I think everyone knows that like it wasn't a misunderstanding. The UFC gets to save face. Like what a just brilliant yeah. business move on his part because he knows the other options that they could have done for this fight. Cause Hey, guess what? Gaethje's already booked. Yep. Dubronk Sarukian already booked. Yep. No disrespect to Michael Chandler, no disrespect to Gamrot or Dariush. But if they made a change and San Denis was fighting Gamrot, Dariush or Chandler, it ain't the same. It's not a you can't you can't book a five you can't keep it five rounds. I mean, you might not even be able to keep it co-main. It's just listen, we've we've seen it. I'm sure people have seen it in their daily lives. Someone that gets a promotion at the job, but not really, right? Like they get mm-hmm. more responsibilities, but they don't get the money. And it's like Yeah, you title can, change, no it, compensation yeah, change. And it's like Poirier, I have no doubt in my mind if if we could have like the lasso of truth or whatever the fuck and be like, have you ever got screwed over by the UFC that it's probably not just once. Right. But mm-hmm. to see a man or any, I'm, I'm going to say a man cause but any of these fighters be like, I'm not going to let that happen to me at this point in my career. It just feels good. Feels good mm-hmm. for, I mean, one of the things, cause we, we kind of, we had a conversation about this yesterday and we kind of, or the day before we were on the same page in terms of like, I didn't really understand what you were saying. And I was like, Jared, Poirier's too smart to have this happen. And you were like, no, 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 just listen. And when I finally got on, I was like, okay, that's what I'm saying. I don't see a scenario where Poirier gets screwed. Fight negotiations. Like, there might be something mm-hmm. he tries to do outside, but it's, it just felt really good to kind of, like, be like, the scenario that probably happened was he agreed to something verbally and said, I need my contract met. I'll go start training. You guys try to strong arm me. I'll pull out because I'm Dustin Poirier, and I don't, I don't need to fight this fight. I'm not this new up and comer that this is my only opportunity. You guys need my name just as much as I want to fight. Yeah. So I, I yeah. love it. I love it, man. It makes it, it made me happy. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you for, for a fighter like Dustin Poirier, fan favorite yeah. to have, you know, doesn't need the money. Obviously he wants the money, all that, but like he's secure yeah. in, in his financials for him to understand his worth, use that leverage, right? Like the, it was, it was just beautiful to see yep. you you hope that 
kind of more fighters that start to build their brands so they can get some leverage. And I know you can get into a whole nother conversation about how the UFC tries to stifle certain personalities. So that way people can't build their brand, yeah. you know, limit their opportunity, whatever. But, you know, hopefully you see a guy to, to bring it back here, like Joe Pfeiffer, who has started to build this groundswell of people that support him and just are there for him, start to use some of these tactics and, you know, some of this stuff of, learn from the people that came before you. No. And I think that obviously Poirier learned from past experiences and now people kind of have that model of, well, Hey, if they're trying to strong arm me by announcing my fight before I signed it, like let's, you yeah, know, but, and, but, and it takes a, a name to build and it, all of that. It also takes the number. Everyone has to do it because, yeah. because here's the reality. I'm so hungry to get in the UFC that if you want to play the, I'm not going to even say I'm going to fight this fight. until my contract is signed. We'll just give it to DJ. He's yeah. he wants to fight just as bad, and we'll give him opportunity. And now you lost out. So it, there's a lot of things, but it's just good to see the. I mean, this wasn't behind the scenes. This happened. Dustin Poirier put the ball in the UFC's court and be like, now what do you do? Mm -hmm. And it's just yep, yeah, it's great. Yeah, awesome to see. Uh, anything else on your end? Yes, I don't want your f update to this week to have any mention of missed weight. Please, one week. One week in 2024 with no miss weight. I'm so fucking tired of it. We didn't talk about the fighter this week that that uh, Carolina that missed weight, but I'm so tired of it. Please, Jared, I want to hear your f update without a missed weight uh, I, on the scales, please. Fingers crossed. I thought we were getting it this week. Nope. Uh, God, yeah. And looking at the card, there's there's a couple guys. You that, shut your uh, lips right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Hopefully, yeah. the F update's like two minutes. We're not talking about any kind of misses on the scale, and all the fights go through. Yeah. Uh, as always, appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later.